1: Sarah had a near-death experience in 2016 where she encountered an all-perceiving, all-knowing, rapturous light. And today we're going to learn about it. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me and welcome.
0: You're so welcome. Thanks for having me here.
1: Great. Well, my (laughs) audience loves to hear NDE stories. So if you don't mind, can we start on that day in 2016 and and learn what happened to you?
0: Yeah. So I actually feel like my entire life has been made for not just that experience, but every subsequent experience that's happened since then. Um, Because there's a lot of things that come together in that moment that I understood, which makes this story for me very magical. Because I grew up in a home that didn't have any belief system. I didn't grow up with any religious background or belief system in a god or anything outside the physical Universe. So I grew up very scientific based, very like whatever I create in my reality is my choice and that I need to do everything that I can to protect myself and to move forward in this life. And it was like a very interesting home where it was very focused on the doing, all the things I needed to do to become successful or whatever or become something. And so I carried that around with me most of my life and it was quite challenging, because I felt myself always pushing myself, you know, to do the thing. And I think a lot of people do this, you know, get the job, get the house, get the career, get the things that you really want, build the the life in which you're told to build. And so I went through that. And I did do that. And I ended up um, moving to British Columbia, I had a house there, I had a partner, I had a car, everything. But it came to a point where something in my heart felt really, really, wrong like I wasn't on the right path like I I mean I was making money and I had all the things that I should have um but I just felt empty inside and so at one point it just got to the point where I was getting kind of like depressed and felt like there was no purpose for me you know I didn't know who I was and I didn't know how to find that but I always knew that I was very like connected to the natural world and connected to plants and as a girl I was very quiet and never spoke much and I had a comfort in this space in this silence which I was always told to like speak you know <laughs> so when that started getting deeper and deeper what ended up happening is I just decided that while well, long story short, I, I decided that my life and the way that I've created it wasn't sufficient enough for me to continue on that way and so I decided at that, that moment that I would sell everything And follow the path that I really wanted to follow in my heart, which was to study plants. So everybody else around me actually felt like I was kind of like going crazy because I, I just decided like, you know what, the partner that I'm with, I don't want anymore. This beautiful house that I have, I don't want anymore. All the things that I can like create it, I just don't want anymore. And so I packed everything up and moved into my car and and drove out into the middle of the forest in um, northern BC and decided to study plants and live completely off of nature with no electricity and no water. (laughs) And this was a calling that I don't think came from just me. I think it was a calling that came from my soul path. And if you want to call it God or something divine, because there was no way in which I could mentalize to do something else in my life. Everything pointed to like this is not your reality and you need to stop this. And everything called me just to be in the forest. So I took all my things, I drove out into the forest, and I started living in a trailer in the middle of nowhere. So this was a little town called Lumbee in northern BC. And in this town, it's about hmm, like a half an hour drive to the closest little town like Kelowna. Well, it was the city, Kelowna. And it's like two, well, no, wait, how, how am I going to say this? It's like Lumby is like a small little town, 15 minutes outside of like a small town, but it's like far from anything. So it's like kind of in the middle of the woods. And so I just decided to like try to live as much as possible without society and without money. So I started studying plants and started wildcrafting all of my food and I would start making wild teas. And I took these wild teas and I started trading them for food to see, you know, to follow this organic path and to see if whether or not it was possible to live organically. And it was quite beautiful, actually. But there's also challenges. I felt myself really having to go through a lot of like deep seated things inside of me, deep traumas. I mean, when you spend so much time alone in the forest and with plants and stuff, I think a lot of the things that I was kind of holding on to from my conventional life needed to be looked at. So I spent my time making medicine with plants. Um, I started getting really interested into women's health and women's wellness and started looking at different tonics that I could make to help balance hormones. So I started working with a plant called Angelica root. And this plant helps to like balance the female hormone system so that you get your period every single month. And so I learned how to wildcraft this plant and I started making medicines with it. And I was doing that for about two months time. And every single day I would wake up and I would walk into the forest and I would do my meditation practice and walk and connect with certain plants. And this particular time I took a walk, I found this plant in a low-lying marshland and I knew that it was angelica and it was like sort of in in the center of this marshland. But there were other plants growing around it with the same kind of white flowering top. And so angelica root, if you know plants, is kind of like a stocky plant that has green shoots and it has on the top of it like a white flowering top. Um, but there are, uh, there's another plant called water hemlock that also has a similar look to it. The only difference is the root system. So when I harvested this plant, I identified it and I was like, OK, well, this is angelica because it had like this ginseng sort of fruit bottom. But at the time, I didn't realize there were other plants growing in the vicinity So I took this plant and I made a decoction with it, which means I soaked it in water and for like a week Uh, and I made like a solar infusion, which means I leave it out in the sun and I let that the medicine of the plant go into the water to make like the tincture or the medicine that I want to make from it. And after that time, I made that that plant, I walked up to the top of a mountain and I decided to drink the the tonic that I made and because I've been working with this plant for two months like I I knew what it was but this time when I walked up I did my yoga and I would sit naked on top of the hill you know and pray and meditate I said I remember saying at the top of the hill I said listen like I don't know exactly why I'm here but I'm here to like live my purpose with God and If I'm living that purpose with God, I'm here totally naked. I have nothing. I have left everything behind to know the truth of my existence. And so whatever's up there, God, universe, whatever, show me why I'm here. And after that, I drank that tea. And in 15 minutes, I knew something was like terribly wrong because I know my body very well. Uh, my vision started to double. I started to profusely sweat. I started to feel really, really nauseous and totally sick within my stomach. And I knew in that moment, my hands were shaking. I was looking at my hands that were doubling. I knew that something was terribly wrong. And I knew I didn't have a lot of time because I was like, crap, like everything in my body dropped. I was like, shoot, like something is really, really terribly wrong. And so the place that I was at where I drank this tea is like a 20 minute walk, hike back to like my trailer. And I just knew I didn't have enough time. So there's a ravine there. And I don't know, something else was inside of me working inside of me. I jumped off the ravine and slid down the mountain. And there was like, uh, there was like hawthorn bushes and like blackberry bushes and like tons of like needly plants. And it scraped my entire body. And I'm naked at this time. So I like glide down the hill off the side of the mountain and start like walking fast. To the back to the trailer. And in this moment, like I don't know if you've seen the movie Into the Wild or not, but there's a time in that in that movie, it's experience where this guy takes this plant that's poisonous and he's like frantic and like his eyes are bulging out of his head because like something is terribly wrong. I had sort of that happen to me. So stumbling back to my trailer. And like when I talk about it, I can feel it in my body. Going back to my trailer, um, the number one thing that I thought I need to do was just like throw up in a bag. So at this point I was on autopilot. I grabbed a bag. I induced my own vomiting. I vomited into the bag. And I remember seeing my plant book beside me. I grabbed my plant book and I'm like trying to find the page for angelica root to see if there's any contraindications or something. So I'm flipping, flipping through and I see, Oh my gosh. Okay. I see angelica. And then something in my heart was like, no, not this page. So I turned the page over and then it said water hemlock. And at that point I had never even knew about this plant. It said water hemlock. And it looked at the picture, and I looked at my hand, and I looked at the picture, and it said, in bold, two drops of the resin of this plant will kill a man in 15 minutes. And everything in my body was like, whoa. And I remember in this moment feeling like an extra force inside of me. Like I was at this point totally on autopilot. I did not exist in my mind to, like, make the moves that I needed to make going forward. So everything in my body was like, "Wow!" I threw up in the bag. I tied my, my b- bag of vomit. I put on this, like, smock. And at this point, so I lived basically in the woods in this trailer, but there was um, Dawn Elzer and this woman named Willow um, that were living also in the forest. Um, but we don't usually see each other during the day because everybody is going to harvest plants, and they spend time in nature, like, solo. But at this point, both of them were kind of standing outside of the main house. So when I walked back, I was, like, stumbling with this bag of vomit in my book, I was like stumbling and they're like, both of them are standing there almost as if they were tr- like receiving me. And they're like looking right at me and speaking and looking right. At me. I remember this moment just walking and being like, oh, my God, they're helpers and they're there, you know, almost like they were put there on purpose. And so I remember stumbling up to them and they said, oh, my God, what's wrong? And I was at this point, I was like, I'm dying. I'm going to die. And I showed them this book and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Come inside and have some tea. And I'm like, no, 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 no more tea. Like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to die. Like, prepare. Like, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, you're not going to die. I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I knew, like, I was telling them. And at this point, I had this franticness about me because I, like, tr- I was like, I cannot die here. Like, this isn't my time, you know? And they were kept saying, no, no. So they're like, come in, drink some water. So they give me water when I get into the house, not knowing that the water hemlock gets activated by water. So in some cases, it's kind of another message from God, like, hey, drink this. It's going to activate the medicine. You know, I drank this water and I projectile vomited everything outside of me. And I was like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Because like it has whatever was inside of me outside. And so Willow, I didn't know her very well. She actually just moved to the forest like a couple of days ago. She ended up being an emergency services nurse from Alberta. On a fluke, and she brought with her a trailer called the gingerbread house with all of the necessary things to check my blood pressure, to check for vitals. Like she had equipment. Like, what are the chances of that? And she just arrived. And she re- I remember her saying, she was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna know you so well. Like I'm I'm so excited to get to know you. And and I hadn't had a chance to know her until that moment. And so when she looked at me, she was like, you know what to do. She's like, I'm an emergency services nurse. You're going to be okay. Just keep breathing. You know what to do. You know what to do. And in this moment, inside my body, all of my yogic teachings, all of my breath work, all the things that I walked through the path of life already in 10 years before this happened came to me. And I was like, okay, I need to just surrender. And I need to just breathe. I recognized in that moment when I carried resistance inside of me, that the suffering of what I was moving through, this transition, was worse. And so I needed to just really let go and surrender and then practice breathing and being in my body and slowly receiving the transition that I was moving through. So by this time, uh, my consciousness is kind of going in and out. Uh, They checked my blood pressure was at zero, and my heart rate started going down to like 18 beats per minute. So I was dying within 10 minutes of arriving in that home. And so they called the ambulance and the ambulance told them, like, you guys are so far from the hospital. It's going to take us like at least an hour to get to where you guys are. And, you know, Willow having the expertise that she has, she was like, you know what? This girl doesn't have an hour. She's going to die now. She's dying in my arms. Like, you need to send somebody faster. Like, no, that's all we can do. And so she hangs up the phone and so she looks really concerned. And I remember her coming over and she was just like, everything's going to be fine. You know, you're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Just keep breathing. But I could see that she was super concerned. And at this point I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I kept just saying, I'm so sorry because I knew in my heart that I would die in that space. You know? So I just kept saying, sorry, 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 sorry. Then magically they receive another call. So this is after they, they tell me all these details. Cause I'm moving in and out of consciousness by this point. Like, in and out of black zones, um, basically they were like, they get a phone call from the hospital 15 minutes later, or sorry, five minutes later saying that there's a, actually a truck that's in Lumby That's only fi- like five minutes away by magic. Like they don't even know where it came from. They're like, Oh no, it just turned out that there's a car in Lumby, and they're going to be there in five minutes. And so she was like, okay, bring them. But she's like, you need to make sure that this car that's coming has um, advanced services because she's gonna need respiratory support and she's gonna need like to start her heart because her her beats per minute and her heart rate is like basically eighteen beats per minute by now. So they're like, okay, what we'll do is we'll send another um, ambulance to meet her halfway. So when I basically come in the basics vehicle, the advanced vehicle pick, can pick me up and bring me to the hospital. Um, and so basically it's a miracle that I'm alive because there's so many synchronistic events that needed to happen in order for me to be here speaking to you today. So basically once they finally came, um, then I was, I was put into this ambulance and then met halfway. And in that time of being met halfway, I lost breathing completely and almost lost my heart rate. So I think it went down to like six beats per minute. Like I was barely, like my heart was barely even going and I I had not had oxygen for a whole minute basically, before they transferred me over to the advanced vehicle. And in that time, that was very profound because I I began to leave my body. And so by this time, I had like I still had consciousness. So what this plant does is it shuts down the peripheral nervous system. So it shuts down everything, the neck down. So your body is totally paralyzed, but it keeps your brain functioning intact. So even though I have black zones, sort of, I had consciousness through the whole experience through my entire coma. So, I mean, I'm going to keep it as short as we can for the time that we have, but I have a lifetime of experience in that experience. So basically, when I finally got to the hospital, <clears throat> I remember them like pushing me down the hospital like um, corridor and seeing the fluorescent lights pass my face one at a time. And actually, it's a very interesting story that I'll add, because this is why I feel like so many events in my life took place to have this moment. Is that when I was very young in grade two, they asked me to write a short story, any short story that I wanted for school um, as a practice to like practice writing. And I wrote that I was being pushed down the corridor in a hospital towards my death and that I could see the fluorescent lights passing my face one at a time being pushed to my death. And I was only like maybe seven at the time. And so my mom was like, why would you write about that? But in that moment, when I was getting pushed down the corridor to my death, in that moment, I was like, I understand that everything in this life is a destined path. And that's really important. So there's there's more of those synchronicities, but that was one very profound one. So once I was finally in the hospital, um, I left my body so I could see everything. So I could see myself in the hospital room um, I could connect with anybody with the thought, not even if my mind, but my consciousness could go wherever I was in everything. Like I was not in my body. And another interesting story is that my sister was teaching English in Korea at the time. And this was a Sunday. So she, because she didn't know that I was going through this process. This was told to me after. In my experience, in my consciousness, I went to go see my family immediately to see what they were doing. Cause you know, like I just wanted to, to check up on them. <laughs> so I went to see her in Korea and I remember trying to get her attention, but I'm not in my body. So I'm just trying to like, I guess you would perceive me as a ghost. You know, I was trying to get my attention, the attention of my sister. And so it didn't work. Cause I felt like she was just going up this elevator and I was just, she was scared, but she couldn't like respond to me. So I was like, okay, well what do I do now? So this is my experience. I'll say her experience and then I'll continue the story. So after I come out of the coma, my mom comes to me. And the first thing, like I couldn't talk for a couple of days, but the first thing I could say when I started talking was, mom, did you see me? Did you see me when I came? And she's like, what? And I was like, I came, and I visited Melissa and she starts crying. My mom starts like fully crying. And I was like, why would happen? And she leaves the room. And then later they tell me that my sister was taking an elevator in Korea up this elevator and her, the elevator in this moment stopped, had a seizure, like shook back and forth. And she told the person in the elevator beside her, oh my God, it's like this thing is having a seizure. Meanwhile, I'm going through grandma seizures when I'm going through my near-death experience and speaking to her on the extra, like extra dimensional realms, trying to get her attention. But she only perceives this elevator shaking, you know? And um, and so I looked at her in the eye when she came in, because she was like, mom said that. What? What are you? She was so confused. I was like, did you see me? Because I came to see you. And she was just like fully white in the face and crying and just like, what, what are you talking about? But that I went to go see her basically in Korea to tell her that I was dying. Wow. So that's one another one. So when I was in the hospital, I was seeing myself, basically I could see everything and go everywhere. There was stages of my death experience. So I call these the layers of consciousness. And this is what I've been teaching about for the last five years. Um, So basically, yeah, since that event happened, there was a bunch of synchronicities that people kept asking me for the story. And then I was picked up by a lot of other speakers and yoga studios to speak about the layers of consciousness we transcend through when we die. So I would say in brief, I'll just say in brief that there's a part where you become astral. And after you become astral, for me, I went further than that. And I saw this placid, clear lake. And in this placid lake, I call it the placid lake state. You can look into the water and you can know everything. Like everything as in like, I would call this what psychics call the Akashic realm. It's like the data bank of all that that ever was and all that will be that exists in this present moment. And when I looked into the water, I could see myself not as me, but as everything that I was the creator of my own reality and that the reality outside of me was just a mirror of my internal process to show me the lessons I needed to learn that held me back from unconditional love. So I believe at this point that our external reality is a reflection of all the lessons that we need to learn that hold us back from unconditional loving presence. And we get shown these through our experiences with other people in order to heal them, not just for ourselves, but also in the other person. Because what I believe is I am me and you are you, but also I am you in this moment and you are me because there's some sort of exchange here that aids both of our soul's journey. So this is the placid leg state. After this state, there's like a darkness state. And from here, there's all of the entities known. So I guess what you would perceive as like demons or ghosts or angels, there's a realms of entities or beings that exist that don't have their own physical body, but have an essence that you could communicate with in this realm. And so I got to see a lot of my own demons and my own, they're all me. It's all (laughs) what I would perceive as like Me, it's hard to explain it. It's like the multidimensional space of all the characters and all the archetypes in which you are and experience in this lifetime. And other people have similar experiences. But when you look at those things, there's a level of awareness that comes into the physical body and this like freedom of knowing that like, you are all these things, but none of them. So that was the state that I experienced after this Placid Lake state was the state of what I would call the entity state or the angelic realm. And after this experience, there was blackness. So it was complete, 100% limitless potential of nothingness. But the nothingness wasn't empty. The nothingness was completely content. Like I remember this feeling in my body so deeply, profoundly content that it's like nothing that we ever thought mattered in this world needs to matter. Like it's completely 100% relaxing and you just feel held by the void. And this is the space where I perceive everything is created and nothing exists all at the same time. It would be like the center of a big bang. And this is what I was in. And I wouldn't say that there's a time because in this space, there's no space and there's no time. It all becomes this meshed. It's just oneness. It's just everything. And so I feel like I've spent lifetimes in this space, but also it just happened like one moment like a dream when you wake up at the end of the night you know so after i'm in this dark space i could feel my there's no body but like the consciousness of my being accelerating in vibration as i move through this space of infinite potential and after this happened i started to see this like flicker of light that entered the space and just expanded like a star and got bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and when this light expanded, like, every single cell of my entire body became vibrational in rapturous light, like, it was all perceiving, all knowing, all sensations, all forms of understanding, all, and it's all love, like, it's all deeply embedded in this frequency of complete unity, that's how I would explain it, and you cannot like I didn't have a body, but it felt like you cannot stand in this light. Like this light is rapturous by the, it breaks you down. It's like a complete dissolving of what you would perceive your ego is, or a complete dissolving of what you could consider physical reality is. It's a complete 100% dissolve. And in this moment, in I could see every single thing in my past, present, and future, all the people that I loved, do love, and will ever love in my entire life lifetime not just lifetime but my entire existence and i saw faces that i didn't know yet and i saw faces that i remembered and i saw faces from my past like past what do you call it past lives i just i saw everybody that i ever loved every moment and it was like lifetimes and lifetimes of experiences but i could experience it in one second and in the moment i connected with this feeling of love i vacuumed back into my physical body like boom like, full-on, like, everything in the tunnel was just, like, it was, like, love, 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 love. All these things is love, 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 love. And I could remember all the faces, everything. And then back into my physical body. And when I went back into my physical body, I remember opening my eyes, and my eyes, I could feel, was, like, beaming out conscious energy of love. like, And I could see my family around that looked super concerned, But I remember like smiling, even though I had a breathing tube and just feeling like my body was completely full of light, like I was liberated and reborn. And so I call this my spiritual rebirth. And I think everybody goes through a spiritual rebirth when they finally come to a place where their ego completely dissolves. And so you can get that way through. Meditation and medicine and things like this or near-death experiences, but there's definitely a point where the illusionary mind state that binds us into what we perceive reality is completely 100% dissolves in love and you're reborn again to this new understanding of your existence, which is what happened to me in that state. So that's just like a very brief <laughs> synopsis of sort of the layers that I moved through mm-hmm. in that space. But the synchronicities that happened after the event that even continue on in my life to this very day, I have five years of stories of events similar to this continuous miraculous events that have happened to me and progressively more of a deeper understanding that we are here for a deeper reason than to just be our human selves. And, you know, we're here to love, but it's in a, it's a much more profound way. So I guess one thing I wanted to share though, is that, this was very interesting and I think very important to share is that I saw people in that space in that moment that loved me and that would love me that I didn't know yet. And during the five years of me being out of this coma and walking my path, teaching and and being and traveling, I met these people physically. And I walk up, sometimes I meet them and I, and I'm like, so like, I walk up to them and I thank you so much for praying for me. And they'll look at me like, I feel like I know you, like really deep, synchronistic, heartfelt resonance. And it's like, you know, I have to tell you the story. And this is where my stories start with some people that I meet on the path. I just start saying, like, I, I tell them my story. And I said, you know, like in this moment, I don't know what it was, but you prayed for me. And because you prayed for me, I came back to life. Like your prayer and love for me brought me back to life. And then in this moment, they're like, well, let's pray now. And I'm like, okay, let's pray now. But what I learned from this is that the present moment experience in this very moment that we are existing today together affects all realms and all multidimensional spaces and all time and space. So say, for example, you were one of those faces that I saw. If you prayed for me in this moment, you'd be praying for me now in this moment. I'd be praying for you, but time doesn't exist. So you'd be praying for me to come back into this physical form in order to have an experience with you in this moment. (laughs) Hmm that's my perception of it because i've met many people along this path that i'm just like oh my god i you pray for me already and we end up being like very close like family but regardless if i saw them or not i'm sure like any person that i meet if we share from the depths of us that there is a connection there like of course that would be reality you know and so it really just kind of shows me this experience like the barriers we put in front of really getting to know Like every single person, if it's possible, like what that exchange of love needs to be, because if we all start doing that, this world drastically changes the way that it's being built. Because right now it's being built full of a lot of illusionary aspects and a lot of mind. And so I think there's a part of consciousness right now that's really changing and waking up. And maybe this is the reason why I've been called to speak this story now is that when we unify in a space that's greater than our minds, that is deeper in love, that we can create such a beautiful Eden of a paradise that we can live in together on this earth. And so I think I came back for this reason to say this now, um, because I feel in my heart that it's time for a new type of reality. I mean, we see so many things happening right now all over the world that are very destructive and we need to be reminded that we're more than just our bodies, you know, we can we can make something bigger than this with our hearts, and um, this is what death taught me. Death taught me about life, and death taught me about love, and death taught me that space and time are a construct.
1: Well, thank you for sharing all that. You've had an amazing Bye. story, <laughs> and I'm going to kind of take you back to the beginning and try to move forward with the things I'm curious with. So, sure. right from the beginning, I think it's amazing that you were able to understand that your life wasn't what you wanted it to be and you made that huge change to moving out into the forest. How did your friends and family take that that when you did that that they push away from you or think you were crazy or were they supportive?
0: Um I wasn't I haven't been very very close um to my family like super close for a lot of my life and so They kind of just accepted it as being like, okay, you want that experience. But I could feel inside of their hearts, they were a little concerned. And they were also just like, why would you believe this? I don't think it was a, they never vocalized it with me, but I could see when, you know, when I would explain certain things that they were kind of confused, you know, why would you leave behind your perfect house and a partner and all the things that you created to live without running water and electricity in the middle of the forest alone? And you're like in your twenties, you know, like, why, what are you doing? Like confusion basically. So I wouldn't say there was like a lack of support as in like a verbal lack of support, but also just kind of like, I'm not quite sure. And thinking that maybe I was like ill, you know,
1: (laughs) it's almost like you became a monk.
0: Yeah. It was very peaceful actually. And you build a very deep connection with plants. Like when you slow down enough, you begin to understand that actually everything is communicating with you. But like our human mind perceives only communication through, you know, you and I. But when we slow down beyond the mind, like plants have essence, they have spirit. And then nature can really heal us in profound ways. And I think most people know that, you know, you take a walk in the forest or you go to the ocean. It seems to make you feel better. But nobody really actually knows why. But when you really spend that time months, you know, you start to recognize that wow, there's such a deep connection between humans and nature that mm. you know it's, it's profound. So, yeah,
1: during any of your NDEs, did you ever interact with nature again or plants?
0: Yeah, oh, inside of the space of consciousness and this outside of my body, you mean? Y- yes, um, not specifically, not that I would have like a conversation with a well. It's so difficult to explain that because there's so much happening in the multidimensional space. Once you're outside of like what we perceive real, like normal consciousnesses, that yes, of course I'm communicating with them, but it's not like a communication that I'm having one-on-one with you. I would say that I could even visualize a plant in that space and have a connection with it and understand like a deep knowingness about what the plant is used for. How to heal and so this is te- part of my work as well as a healer so i work as a, in the multi-dimensional spaces healing chronic disease but i also work deeply with plants not just on a physical medicinal level but also like what plant spirits are communicating through me to that person and um, encouraging that connection with nature and other people to be able to heal deeper parts of themselves so i would say yes they do communicate but not in the same way that me and you are speaking
1: Okay. Yeah. I think a couple of my guests have actually felt like plants were speaking to them during their NDE.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I mean, I've done plant medicines before also. So I work with like mushroom medicines and Bufo, 5-MEO-DMT. And like, I've never done ayahuasca, but I've heard in this space too, that like, there's a spirit of the plant that speaks to you. Yes, I, I believe that. But it's also sometimes I feel like a construct of the mind, the way the mind can perceive information the best. The plant will use that medium to be able to instill a message from that experience to them. But I perceive it as something much greater than just the plant speaking to me. It's like an experience with the essence of the entire plant, not just a message that they're giving me, but like experience in like harmony or cohesion with the energetics or the essence of that entire being. It's not just a communication like words. So I guess they speak to you, but on a different level for me.
1: Okay. How many days were you in your coma for?
0: I was in my coma for five days and I left the hospital in seven days. Okay.
1: And I'm trying to just clear it up for me. Even though you were in the coma due to the taking the hemlock, you were conscious the whole time. Mm -hmm. and sometimes would you like leave your body and go somewhere and then sometimes you would be conscious back in your body and you just be kind of in your room
0: once i left um when i was in the ambulance once i could see myself i never went back into my body until i went to the light and then i came back in oh so it's completely gone yeah but i had blackouts like i was saying when i was vomiting and things like that coming in and out being like oh and then i'm back and then I'll, and then that only happened a couple of times and then by the time i really fully left and could see everything then i was out for the whole time but i had the yeah the awareness of when i was out
1: one of the things i really found interesting was the way that you described the black void and that's kind of what i call it and many near death experiences go to the black void mm-hmm. but what i found interesting was how you kind of added to me was that how it was nothing it was like complete nothingness like absence of everything can you tell me yeah us, it, it us vibrates
0: more? it it's like stillness to the point of like the most extreme vibration so like if you vibrate something fast enough if you vibrate it fast enough it actually is still and that's the kind of energy that i felt in that space like my vibrational essence was so high that it was nothing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in that moment of nothing is like a potential for creation of everything And that's when the light came. And so like, yeah, I perceive that, you know, light and dark is not a spectrum. It's actually a circle. So the deeper you go into the darkness and into nothingness, the closer you are to everything and life.
1: How were you when you just came back? Like, were you disappointed that you're back on earth? I know you Mm -hmm. saw your family immediately, but sometimes people are depressed, unhappy that they're here and they wish they were still with the light. How were you
0: No. It's a. It's. I have full gratitude for life. I had full gratitude for life. My breath, the first breath I could take on my own, I realized the importance of breath so deeply, my being, that it's a gift for me. A gift to be here. Like there is a contentment and a and a peace that exists in the other realm that is like beyond anything. Like there's no stress. There's no worries about you know the material life or things that you need to survive. So that's. That's gone. There's a contentment, but there's no alegria. There's no joy. There's no tactile sensation of humanness that brings us to life. Like love, it brings us to life. We don't experience that type of passion. I didn't experience that type of passion in the void space. So for me, life is a gift. And when I came back with a clean state, I was vibrating complete love. And I never, ever in my life, felt that way in my entire life and that's why i knew that i came back as a different person like i'm not a different person but like my soul what i feel like is my soul that maybe was fragmented before all of those traumatic fragmentations came back to a state of wholeness and i was reborn again into this wholeness and feeling new like a baby with all the potential in my heart and like no mat no more anxiety no more depression so uh, growing up also, I would say that in and out, I would come in and out of like highly depressive and highly anxious states and like very sensitive being. And after this event, a lot of my fears just completely dissolve completely. There's, I would wake up like completely in bliss, like no more, nothing. There's, there's nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to fear. It's all love. And yeah, that's when my path really started.
1: That's great. How did you change personally in the way that you interacted with society?
0: completely changed. I opened myself and even my physical body changed. Like I felt like my skin started to glow, my hair started to grow, like life entered my body again. And I don't see people outside of me as, I see it as harmonization, an opportunity for harmonization, right? Before I would likely judge with my mind or maybe perceive the external world as a threat until I realized that the external world is a reflection of my internal world. And so in this, it changed everything. Like I just became so open to everyone and everything. And just that's where, so from that point, I've traveled the entire world Hmm. teaching and being and not having to worry about anything. God has always provided everything that I need, everything
1: Hmm. financially.
0: Yeah. It's amazing.
1: I think some people may resist death because they're resisting of breaking down or losing their ego. Kind of Mm -hmm. like when in the light, your ego was destroyed, right? can you see that as how someone who is dying has that resistance to losing their ego? And can you comment absolutely,
0: on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I also had that resistance because I had that initial fear too of like, you know, jumping down the ravine and going and, and to the house. And I was saying, sorry. So I had all these things come up like guilt, like guilt of dying, like shame of dying in the space, like feeling unworthy of being there. If I needed to transition and feeling fear of like, not knowing what would happen until I remembered my breath And that stillness. And I started to actually have to tell myself like, no, everything is fine. Like just surrender, just surrender. And in that moment of surrendering the resistance, that's when the peace came. And that's when I left my body. And that's when I came into the other realm. But of course it's natural, I feel, because like we don't perceive anything outside of the ego realm when we've been brought up in a society that basically encourages that box of what we consider existence, like this is what you need to live in. And this is what you need to believe, you know? Um, so yeah, I would say, of course it's scary and it's natural, but if we can breathe through these moments of transition, especially when we get closer to the part of death and really just sink into the space that like, no, we are more than just this and we are connected to something bigger and we will never die. We will never die. We never die. That is the illumination of, of liberty, that comes from that surrender it's that we'll never die and that's what I feel is we'll never die and so if you never die then you can start living
1: what do you think inspires you the most about your experience
0: that it's more than hope it's it's a testament of faith to a lot of the things that are spoken about in religious texts all over the world but what inspires me the most is that God chose me to have this experience, to be able to vocalize something very profound in our consciousness and in our in our time on, on earth as humans, to know that, like, we don't die. It's kind of simple. And that breath is everything. Breath is life and that we don't die. And that to hold gratitude in our heart for this existence so deeply that everything that we see, perceive, touch, feel, sense is only like, it's like... A fleeting moment. That's it. And so, to keep those fleeting moments sacred, allow us to live a very beautiful life. And that's my inspiration: is beauty. I feel beauty of living.
1: Besides seeing all these people in your from your future that you've met them, do you feel like you have any other abilities from your near death experience after coming back?
0: Yes, everything completely changed in my reality. Um, so. I'll, my service in the world is a healer, but also, um, what I was given like the name, like I get messages from spirit and, and kind of like this knowing of like understanding energetic spaces. Um, I am an Oracle, so I'm a clear channel to spirit and a vessel for the highest love spirit to be able to communicate through me. And so I'm able to kind of, I'm able to read the essence of a person's energy field when I communicate with them and I can perceive messages of their soul path and I can point them back to the path of love and alignment on a multidimensional level. So through the spiritual level, through the emotional body, through the mental landscape and through the physical body, coming back into balance and alignment and allowing them to understand a deeper aspect of like why they're actually here. And so this is the work that I do. I also receive the gift of, um, well, all the gifts like Claire Sentience, Claire Audience, Claire everything. I can perceive things in this moment that are layered experiences of emotion in a person when I'm around them. I can experience something that may potentially happen in the future. Um, I can read dreams like if, person, if a person comes to me, I actually can see the dreams that they have inside of them and or had in the night. Um, so these are the gifts that were given to me after I came out of the coma.
1: During your NDE, you went to a dimension where you saw entities and I found Mm -hmm. it really interesting that you said that the entities that you were seeing were yourself. Mm -hmm. Did you happen to see other entities there that were not you?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Also. So I felt like there was an initiation for me to be in that realm Mm -hmm. So first I was shown a lot of the demons and stuff that I had inside of me. And then also angelic entities that were also present and protecting me in my journey, but I perceived them all as being part of my experience of consciousness. So they were all me. But then when I, So I guess I'm getting, I'm going to mix a little bit of other experiences that I've had since this is that in that all pervasive light, once we have a deeper understanding of that all pervasive light, there are angelic entities and also different dimensional beings that exist there that are not just me or like, there's not really a me or I, but like, they're, they can communicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's an initiation to see them all first in myself, to be able to even communicate on that level.
1: Some of my NDE experiencers will say that they've seen other entities, angels, and even non-human entities, which some yes. people would be considered aliens.
0: Aliens. See, I I experience the same.
1: Hmm. During your NDE experiences, did you happen to go to any other worlds or anything like that?
0: Um, in that moment, in that experience, no. But in my everyday experience, I can and I do. Yeah, sometimes when it's necessary. Mm-hmm.
1: Since this, are you astral traveling regularly?
0: Yeah. In this moment, we are, of course. and every present moment, we are. But when we have awareness of it or not is, the, is where we can say we are having that experience. But actually, every person is having that experience.
1: What do you mean by that, in this moment, we are?
0: So what I perceive is this reality is that actually we exist in a multidimensional framework. So in this moment, when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you through this audio box. And you can see me on screen but my higher self is actually connecting with the other realms of consciousness that me and you actually exist in as well. So there could be entities in the space, there could be extraterrestrial beings, there could be um, energy signatures, there could be plant spirits that want to communicate, there can be people that have passed over that would like to communicate, there can be so many things are communicating with us in this moment, but our eyes, nose, ears, mouth are only able to perceive that through our human body. But those that have opened up psychic gateways, we do receive communication from other realms. And it's happening in every single moment. So I guess I'm in this body speaking with you, but I'm also in the astral realm as well.
1: If you met somebody who had an NDE, let's say, last week, and they're now struggling to process it, how would you give them advice?
0: I probably wouldn't give them any advice, but I would probably would love to hear... um, And have them express deeper on a deeper level of awareness, their experience so that they can process it in a way that maybe they haven't been before because of some sort of fear that they have or some sort of trauma that's been brought up from this experience. That spirit wants them to sort of look at very deeply now so that they can liberate and dissolve themselves from because, see, this is the thing in our soul path we experience. Um, situations or events. So say this person had near-death experience that potentially could show them what is blocking them from living life fully, what is blocking them from actually living liberated. And so I would ask this person to explain in detail, to bring awareness to every sensation, every emotion, everything that they're moving through so that they can experience it on a deeper level and hopefully dissolve those traumas so that they can receive the lessons that spirit wants to give them through that near-death experience. Because I think there are different levels of near-death experiences as well, different levels of souls also experiencing NDEs, you know?
1: Do you have any practical advice for people that just want to raise their consciousness or their energy without having an NDE or an OBE?
0: Consciously breathe. Feel the breath when the air comes into the body. Like, feel the sensation of the quality of breath, the coolness of the air. Feel it moving down into the body, beyond the chest, down into the lower body. Feel the air move through every cell of your being. And when you release through your mouth or release the air, witness a surrendering in your, in your tension, in your resistances. And if you can practice that, then that's all you really need.
1: All right. I'm going to switch gears on you. Uh, do you have a website? And if so, what is it?
0: Yeah, my website is health. And you can also find me on Facebook, it's Snow Forest. And on Instagram, it's Labyrinth Holistic Health. And Labyrinth, that's another story that came to me before my NDE experience. And I feel like it is a pinnacle to what um, we go through through transitions when we birth something new. You know, Labyrinth is like basically the nothingness turning into everything at the center of the labyrinth and the maze, the labyrinth that is our minds is what is necessary to dissolve in order for us to move through our transitions with gracefulness. So the labyrinth is a very important symbol. I don't know. I feel like saying that because I feel like there's a listener or listeners that really need to understand what this symbol is, the labyrinth.
1: Well, there's a lot of people that like to walk labyrinths and they get healing yeah. from that.
0: Yes. hmm hmm mm. And I think it's powerful because it's like literally saying that life is lived one step at a time and there are no dead ends and there are no, like nothing ever ends. You just walk one foot at a time and in in that present moment, you know, relax to know that the path is already there. That's powerful for me to share. Mm
1: -hmm. Do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you want us to know about?
0: Um, Right now, I think it's very important for me to assist as much as possible with people stepping into identifying and bringing awareness to their soul purpose and what they're here to actually birth and create in the world. So right now, my main project is to reach as many people as possible and help to activate and align them into sharing their divine service or their divine gifts with the world. And so that's like my core foundational work right now is helping people to identify and connect again with their purpose here.
1: All right. Great. Uh, do you interact with the public? And if so, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
0: Um, I do it very minimally right now because I just I live organically and authentically, but Facebook, I guess would be the easiest way. Um, and I just, yeah, if somebody messages me on Facebook or my email address, I always try to respond. Um, and if they're interested in booking some time with me, that's the best way to be connected with me on a deeper level. hmm
1: All right. Well, before we finish up, do you have one last message that you'd like to share with everybody?
0: Just gratitude to remember that. And that I have that in this moment because I feel like, thank you also for this opportunity to have a voice here. Um, I'm in full gratitude to that because even in this moment, when I'm speaking to you, it almost feels like all the words that I've just said over the last hour, I have gratitude for them because they're not coming from my mind. They're coming from something deeper. And so, to have gratitude for what we can't see that is being that is leading us down this path of where we're all walking you know which is a closer connection with with love in the end even if, if we don't see it right this moment so to have gratitude
1: that's a great message and speaking of gratitude i want to say thank you again <laughs> for being my guest i really appreciate so you
0: yeah and i too.
1: and i wish you the best
0: thank you so much you too yeah
1: all right, well, have a great day.
0: Thanks. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye.
1: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.